right, everybody, welcome to the Traffic Intel Podcast, otherwise known as The Tip. And I'm your host, Zane Tomich. And I'm your co-host, Wade Robichaud. And today is a special episode because recently, our friend here, Wade Robichaud, went down to Phoenix, Arizona to the ATSA event. Give it to us straight here. What is ATSA? ATSA is short for the American Traffic Safety Services Association. It kind of represents a, an advocacy group for, for industry. So it really gathers all of the people like ATS traffic, all of the roadway workers, all the design engineers, all the on the boots on the ground type of folks like our friends across the street or maintenance contractors, public works, gathers all of them together one time a year. Actually, it's twice a year because they have a mid-year meeting, but they gather once a year for a very large conference and talk about safety improvements, how to save lives on the road, and also kind of petition the government to make change that will actually affect the lives of those who are working in the work zones, providing more funding, providing more you know, infrastructure uh, to allow for safe work zones. You mentioned saving lives, and that's a very valid point. Like at the end of the day, we all want to save lives. In helping you prepare for your presentation at ATSA, I noticed some interesting traffic trends. Well, we, we noticed that when we were doing our research. Obviously, the United States has a great deal of extensive research into all their roadway statistics. I'm not saying Canada doesn't have that, but the United States arguably is more advanced in that department because they literally have all their statistics to a T up until 2023. How valuable is that in terms of what you talk about with saving lives and road safety in general and how Canada could learn from that? Yeah, the statistics that are available in the United States, uh, they do a heck of a good job tracking all of that. I mean, there's some pretty heavy hitting kind of stuff in terms of roadway deaths, traffic incidences, you know, pedestrian deaths, that kind of stuff is very readily available sort of at a moment's notice. One click of the mouse, you can find all that information. But you're right, when we were creating this presentation uh, you know, around what Canada's stats are, it was very difficult to kind of really get the fine-tuned information. It was very sporadic at best. Good information for sort of 10 years, Previous 10 years, not so good information, kind of spotty information from there. It looks like we only really started tracking information kind of in like the year 2000. And then between 2001 and 2000 and like sort of 9-10, you could see that there was more data trends and data tracking. And then from 2009-10 kind of to 2021, so that next 10-year gap, or sorry, 10-year spread, the data got a lot better. And I think it has a lot to do with that vision zero concept that was introduced that started overseas in Europe, which was like, you know, the, dri uh, the driving force behind no one should ever die on our roadways ever again due to distractions, due to unsafe work conditions, right? And so taking that over here, Canada, the United States, uh, I think states has like towards zero. Canada had vision zero, so the idea of it, right? But once that was sort of becoming prevalent over in North America, then we started to see a lot more specifics in terms of data capture. The governments were being challenged saying, how safe are our roads? Like, do you know? And you can honestly say like they probably didn't know. And a lot of us probably didn't. I didn't know. I wasn't familiar with that. But it was interesting to kind of put that presentation together with you to, um, to almost open our eyes and get a little bit more humble and be like, oh, yeah, okay. We do have some problems to fix. Like it's pretty nasty. That's not appropriate. Those high numbers are just really brutal to, to consider. I don't want anyone that I know 
nor my family, nor anyone else's family or friends to be any part of that number that we were talking about of like the, you know, the 2000 deaths a year. It's like what we talked about with Vlad last time, awareness, yep. accountability. Yes. That plays into effect for sure. The maintenance contractors, the government bodies, the agencies, private organizations like ATS Traffic have a responsibility to make things safe for the road user. The public who are the road users, the pedestrian who is the road user, also have a responsibility to be educated and understand why we put these devices out there. And this is what ATSA is all about, is like that blend of public shared information, which is one of the committees I sit on, coincidentally, is the Safety and Public Awareness Committee, because it's taking industry and connecting it with the public and saying, hey, I know that you get frustrated out there in our work zones, but there's a reason why they exist. Yeah, well said, Wade. So moving on to the next question here. What can you tell us about the prestigious history of ATSO? We know it's a very long history and they have a very strong legacy. Where does it begin? Uh, thanks, Zane. Yeah, great question. Um, since its inception, uh, 1969, you know, ATSA has kind of been the leading source of information on the roadway safety infrastructure industry. ATSA members embrace the national goal of eliminating roadway fatalities uh, by moving towards zero deaths. As a safety you know, professional organization, we all recognize that this goal can really be achieved only through partnership with other stakeholders, including safety engineers, auto manufacturers, law enforcement, emergency responders, academic institutions, you know, government agencies, you know, even driver behavior organizations, safety advocacy groups. ATSA's uh, membership style organization, so they've got about 11,000 you know, industry professionals as members, uh, representing about 1,500 companies, everything from pavement marking to guardrail to sign manufacturing like ourselves, to even like barrier and traffic signals uh, manufacturing to highly technical, you know, innovation fields as well. It's a fun fact actually that Lauren Hooper, our late founder of Alberta Traffic Supply at the time, was uh, one of the founding members of the association, ATS Traffic as we know it today, are really are still members and advocates uh, for the importance of what ATSA really stands for uh, and the overall goal of saving lives on our road networks. So it's safe to say that ATS Traffic has a unique footprint in the whole history of ATSA. And I think that both of our partnerships together really help drive safety forward with all these partnerships that you talk about too as stakeholders, that, that's a key point as well. How does the vendorship process play into how we view safety and how we can partner with fellow safety organizations to drive safety in the future? I think, you know, to talk about what drew ATS traffic to ATSA and Alberta traffic supply to ATSA at the time really was the appeal of searching for new and innovative technologies and what vendors were supplying that uh, technology or that product or that service in the United States. We wanted to go down there, educate ourselves, what are their best practices, bring that information back and try and implement that and assimilate some of their successes to see if we could get and garner some of the same successes as some of these other American traffic safety companies that were having high success rates with these different types of cutting edge plastics and sign stands and steel barriers and crash attenuation units and things like that. So. You know, really, um, it's a dialed-in approach. We watch trends. 
we understand the trend and then we bring those back and then as employees for ATS traffic and as trend centers and trailblazers as we are um, trying to implement those and try and affect and adapt change in industry here in Canada. There's no one else in Canada that's, you know, probably leading the charge as much as we are in terms of understanding what the right products are that will save the most lives. So this obviously isn't your first rodeo. You've been in the industry for over 15 years. And with that being said, what could you tell a person representing a an organization who's been tasked to go down to ATSA, what would you say to them in terms of what to expect, what type of people you would see there, all the organizations? I think to be um, open-minded. Now, it's it's a lot of booths to walk through that show. There's a lot of sessions to attend. There's a lot of technical information to obtain. I think it's just really important to go down there with an open mind and just understand that you will see a lot of the same things. You'll see a lot of orange plastic. You'll see a lot of different types of message boards. It's really about connecting and adapting with a brand that appeals best to what your organization's like value proposition is. Look for products that maybe aren't necessarily as well known so that you can introduce them to market and set that trend and try and build up that brand. But also if those brands that are less known a lesser known brands to say have a better value proposition than some of the other brands that are out there, then I think it's important that we focus on that ATS traffic. We dial in on those types of brands that like, we don't really know who they are and I don't think anyone knows who they are in Canada, but they're doing something a little bit different than some of the other brands that we're typically seeing out there. We should give them a try. And then we take that information. So if you're going down there and you're trying to, you know, find new products, it's important to kind of look at that and say, can this make a difference up here? And does it do something a little bit different than whatever else is already on the road? And if the answer is yes, then I think that that's a good product to very seriously consider. So is it realistic to think that ATSA could have a presence in Canada one day? Would you see a benefit to that? I've been really leading and pushing ATSA for the last five years to actually bring ATSA to Canada and run it as a North American Traffic Safety Services Association versus just a American Traffic and Safety Services Association. I've been advocating for several years that our associations up here, Transportation Association of Canada, TAC, and that conference is very good, but we're just, we're lacking a little bit in Canada of the essence of really what this industry conference is really all about. There's 5,000 people that show up at this thing. All of these people are there for a committed reason because they're there to understand how to perform work better on the road. What are some of the most high-performing traffic products out there in the market? And how can we take other best practices that we've learned from other districts and other states' DOTs and implement those in their own state DOTs or their own state plans or their own city plans to see if they can get the same type of effect and change. In Canada, every man for themselves. Alberta Transportation, BC Ministries of Highway and Infrastructure, Sask Highways, Manitoba Infrastructure and Transportation, Ontario, you know, Transportation Networks, Quebec, all the provinces across all the all of Canada have their own idea of what traffic safety is. They have their own idea for what engineering plans should look like. They have their own idea of how work zones should be set up. And that's one thing that I think is really actually holding us back as a country at being safer is that we all can't seem to get our heads aligned. If you see a traffic control device or a sign in New Jersey, 
it is the same type of sign and same type of traffic control device that you'll see all the way through the interstate, all the way to the other side of the country. Because they have a manual for uniform traffic control devices. It's called the MUTCD. And the Federal Highways Administration, the FHWA, pretty much mandate that if you're gonna do this here, it also has to be consistent down in Florida and Texas or Colorado or Idaho or Montana or in Washington or Oregon or in California, it all has to be consistent and look the same because why would you want it to be different and confusing for the road user? So that's one big thing that I think ATSA coming up into Canada can really help us do is get everyone together and say, enough is enough. We need to have consistency. We need to have a single manual. We need to make sure that things look and feel the same across the country. We can then save more lives that way by being more consistent. It's like, how do we maximize our safety efforts if we don't even know or even fully grasp the scale or what's happening in our own backyards and our own road networks? Do you know what I mean? Like we have to know the finer details before we can even carry on with innovation. Point. Period. And there's that discrepancy too where the United States and Canada, the population density is totally different. So people kind of mistake Canada in terms of, of the statistics that we see compared to that of the United States. It's like night and day. There's more people in the States than there are in Canada. So just that alone, understanding that difference is essential to coming together. Yeah, 360 plus million people live in the United States. Canada has 37 million. So just because there's that discrepancy there, it, it doesn't mean ATSA wouldn't be beneficial in Canada either. You know no, what I mean? It's not that it not would be beneficial. It would absolutely be beneficial. But our population density, almost half of Canada lives in Ontario. Like Spread of the out. 37 million people, half of the 37 million people live in Ontario. Like that's insanity to me. And then there's pockets of obviously large population, Vancouver, Montreal, Halifax, Calgary, Edmonton. Those are large populous centers. I mean, you talk about Vancouver, the greater populous of the lower mainland, Burnaby, Surrey, Langley, Delta. Like those are all between there though, small pockets, 2,000, 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 people, towns spread out by hundreds and hundreds of kilometers, hours of driving. I think that there's also something there too to be said. We need to be safer in our bigger populated areas because clearly population density has something to play on traffic safety and road deaths. But we're forgetting that like there are also thousands of kilometers of road where we go through mountains and we go through dramatic changes in elevation or there's migrational paths of caribou or whatever it is. There's so much more to it than just vehicle safety. We have to consider also like animal safety and those impacts of what happens in rural communities because we have more rural community. It's a unique landscape, unique weather conditions, a unique environment in general. So obviously there's a lot to learn from that type of yeah. geography. There's more to Canada than meets the eye, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Kind of shifting gears into our last segment here, Wade. There's a really important date coming up in April, starting April 17th, National Work Zone Awareness Week. Absolutely. Yeah. Why don't you explain that a little bit for us, Wade? Yeah, so each year, every spring, National Work Zone Awareness Week kind of kicks off, usually around April 17th or so, typically mid-April. And it's really just to bring national attention to the motorist and to worker safety and like some of the mobility issues in work zones. It's been happening since uh, 1999. Weirdly, the FHWA 
has actually worked with the American uh, Association for uh, State and Highway Transportation, which is AASHTO, A-A-S-H-T-O. <laughs> it's a long acronym. They have lots of acronyms. I like that in the States, lots of acronyms. And, the, uh, and also ATSA, the American Traffic Safety Services Association. So they coordinate between AASHTO and ATSA. They coordinate, sponsor these events. It's usually sponsored by a state one of the states picks up the sponsorship, leads the charge, and it's sort of like they create a campaign together, you know, working together, partner with us, work with us to improve road safety. I think actually that might be the theme for this year's event, but it's important that like these events really help drive public awareness. And it was like, I was going back to that earlier statement saying like, we need to make sure that the public is equally responsible for understanding how to be safe and understanding how to navigate the work zone. It's fine and dandy that we educate the client. It's fine and dandy that the government understands the importance of these things. But if we don't do a good job of saying, Mr. Joe Blow down the street from me, hey, do you understand why that message board says what it does? You know, do you understand why we have you merging? Do you understand what a zipper merge is? You know, some of these key elements are designed to actually improve traffic flow, not just bother you, you know? And that's what I said before. I mean, it's a fine balance of like, we have to get work done, but it's also important to continually educate the public because without their support, we don't really have anything to change because we can't really have their behaviors change if we're, if we're not really spending the time to educate them, you know? It's well said, Wade. Well, with that being said, we're out of time. Thanks so much, Wade, for uh, discussing ATS with us today. Obviously, your knowledge and expertise is highly valued, um, not just for the audience listening, but of course, ATS traffic. So thanks for talking about it today, and we're looking forward to the next episode. Thanks, Zane. Look forward to the next episode. And for all you listeners, please like and comment on any platform that you're on. And of course, subscribe to the TIP podcast. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, and any ideas you have for more topics you want us to cover in terms of traffic safety or transportation industry in general, uh, we want to hear from you. So thanks again for tuning in today on The Tip. I'm your host, Zane Tomich. And I'm your co-host, Wade Robichaud. We'll see you next time.